Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvroski. On this week's episode, Zach Mercurio joins the show to talk about how we can lead with purpose and meaning. And not only that, we also talk about how to find meaning in our jobs right now. There's a lot of great content in this episode, so I really hope you enjoy it. If you want to find purpose and meaning and find where you want to make impact as a leader, join the Leadership Launchpad Project 12-week online leadership program. It's starting in the week of June 14th. And we're, we have signups open until June 11th. So definitely you're going to want to sign up and sign up today. If you want, to, if you want more details on that, go to EliteHighPerformance.com slash leadership. Go, scroll to the bottom of the page and hit the button. It'll take you to the program. But it's a 12-week program that combines self-directed learning group coaching, individual coaching, and a ton of interaction between you and the other participants. So not only will you get some awesome coaching, some awesome leadership strategies, but you'll also be able to network with other incredible leaders. I hope you join me in that program. Again, EliteHighPerformance.com slash leadership and sign up before June 11th. And I look forward to taking you on your leadership journey. So thank you for listening, and here's the episode with Zach Mercurio. We are live. Welcome back to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always, we have our in-house leadership mindset coach, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I'm excellent, firing on all cylinders, as always. Let's get this party started, shall we? Let's get the party started, and and we're going to talk today about purposeful leadership. And so I found a quote from Quinn McDowell. And it's it's really resonates with me. And I know it will with you, Susan, too. So the quote is, the purposeful leader understands the important role their story contributes to the clarity and direction of their leadership. And I know, you know, Susan and, and my and my story really drives in this direction. So I love this quote to, to kick us off. And we have a special guest, obviously, someone who is super passionate about purposeful leadership, Zach Mercurio. Zach, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am firing on all cylinders too, Susan. Yeah. It's nice and sunny. So I've got the vitamin D going, which is great. I feel good. Thanks for having me. No, we're, we're happy to have you. And maybe, Zach, can you start off with that? Like, how does this quote resonate with you? And maybe tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, you're going to have to read the quote again for me so I can, I can really listen. Yeah, so the, the quote is, the purposeful leader understands the important role their story contributes to the clarity and direction of their leadership. Mm. Yeah, I think it's about their story, right? But then I think it's about the story as well. I mean, I think purposeful leaders put themselves below the bigger story. They almost subjugate themselves to the bigger story, the bigger purpose, the ultimate storyline. One of the ways I see purpose is like in the arts or like a good book, there's a through line, right? So there's a through line, that plot line. So if you're acting in a play, you know the through line. You know how your character should act, how it should behave. Uh, what attitude it should portray when you're reading a good book. There's that through line that keeps the plot together. And I think uh, purposeful leaders make sure that that through line, that story, that underlying story is clear uh, and pervasive and felt by everyone around them. And the through line is more important than them. So when you talk about the through line and the, the greater story, you're talking about the story of the organization or what's the story specifically? Yeah, the story of, of the organization, Mary Parker Follett, uh, she was a management scholar, actually a woman management scholar in 1928, which is amazing. She's, and she's amazing. Her work is amazing. Um, and she said, leaders and followers are both following the invisible leader, the common purpose. So the common purpose is the invisible thread, right? It's actually, it transcends through this 
screen right now. It's the invisible thing that you and I can get on a podcast and talk about because we have a similar purpose, right? It's that energy. Nobody can see it, right? But purposeful leaders, I think, illuminate that story. It's sort of like the old, the fish in water, right? Uh, and I think purposeful leaders say, hey, this is water, right? It's that David Foster Wallace quote of this is water. Like, like this is why we are. This is the context, the storyline. So I think that storyline is the bigger purpose. It's the bigger contribution. It's the invisible leader that's more powerful than the leader, him and herself or herself. Yeah, the connection point, right, is like what you're talking about there is like really the thing that unifies the collective, right? Tell us about yourself, Zach. I want our audience to just know a little bit about yourself, where you're coming mm. from, what you're all about. You're talking a lot about purposeful le leadership right out the gates. I feel like that's got to be a part of the context here. But uh, yeah, do tell us. Share a little bit about your, yourself and where you're coming from. Yeah. Like a lot of us, I think that do this work around purpose and meaning, uh, a lot of that work is born out of not experiencing it. Right. Uh, so like totally. I was, I grew up, I was the youngest of three boys. And when you're the youngest, you get really good at entertaining yourself and yeah. comparing yourself to others. Yeah. So I grew up searching for significance. Right. And I looked in all of the wrong things. Because in education, we're taught to be successful. We're taught to acquire and achieve things. Mm -hmm. And that's our measure of success. And so that's what I pursued. Let me get the starting salary. And I was in a job in advertising in Washington, D.C., doing well, clawing away for my own significance. And I felt completely empty and completely miserable. I actually went into a bookstore uh, on a long lunch break, quote unquote. Yeah, right. And I actually pulled out a book of poetry. I don't even read poetry, but there's this poem by Stephen Dunn. He's an American poet. And there's a line in it that said, I, I want a job like a book so good that I'll be finishing it for the rest of my life. Oh, I love that. And I remember I was like, how do we find that? How do we illuminate that? And I was like, I want that. But then I started seeing people like all these people around me, cab drivers, bus drivers, mechanics. I love work because work and jobs are one of the key mechanisms through which we connect with each other totally. in community. But I saw all of these people, they were joyful people out there doing their jobs. And what I noticed about them is that the people who are most joyful had this perspective that they weren't doing it for what they could acquire and achieve. They really talked about their contribution, their craft. And so I had a early life crisis, which I'm very thankful for. I quit my job. I ended up working in higher education because I didn't want anybody to end up like me, you know, not asking the why questions. I did that training and development for eight years. And then now, you know, I got my PhD in, in uh, organizational learning, performance and change. I study meaningful work and I do a lot of work with organizations on creating cultures where everybody feels like they matter. And so, but I would say that my purpose, if, if I were to talk about my purpose, it goes back to my five-year-old self. And my purpose is to help people realize their own significance. And it, it goes back to that. I, I love that. And, and I mean, it's, it's super interesting, right? And I think one of the questions that came out for me when you were talking, Zach, is just like, where do we start as leaders in terms of like making an organization that makes each person feel like they matter? Mm. Yeah, I would start by thinking about the first moment in your life when someone made you feel like you mattered. What was happening? You know, what was, what was going on around you? Um, or the last time, if that's a difficult question for you, uh, which it actually is for me, I think that's also something to really reflect on. How has that affected how you lead by not experiencing that mattering early on? We can get into that psychologically later. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, um, but I think that when you think about those moments, there's, there's usually three things happening. And the research backs this up is that usually it's when, when we're noticing people, like when we actually see people, we know mm -hmm. people's full names, right? We know who relies on them outside of work. We know who they rely on. We know, um, you know, little things about themselves, their hobbies, their dreams, their goals, their ambitions. And, and we check in on those things. We treat people as the individual. The, the second piece is affirming people, making sure that people know what their strengths are 
showing people how those strengths connect to a bigger purpose and then getting out of the way, right? To let them yeah. achieve that. And then the third is, is really regularly showing people how they're needed, that they're relied on, that they're indispensable. Um, and if you'll notice, this isn't an agile engagement, culture improvement, social impact branding initiative, right? These are the basic fundamentals of being human. And I think the best leaders are experts at practicing the fundamentals of being human, the, the stuff that's common sense, but it's not common practice. I love that. And that's absolutely reverberates across the interviews that we've done on this show. It's what we stand for, right? In our leadership 2.0 mission. It's all about that whole wholeness, right? That heart-centric, mm. people-centric style of leadership. What does leadership mean to you? We're talking about how it needs to be meaningful, right? Like that really is the word that I'm calibrating is coming out of your mouth the most so far and everything that you have said. So I just yeah. want to just kind of flip the script backwards and just step back for mm. a second and really ask you, what does leadership mean to you? Mm. Yeah. And for me, I think that leaders bring out the best of humanity in other people in service of the greater human community. I think they cultivate the individual irreplaceability and uniqueness of each individual person. And they connect that individuality in service of the human community that they're a part of. In the context of serving something bigger than the collective, that bigger purpose. So that's how I see, that's how I see leaders. And I like to talk about less of like, what is leadership um, and more about who is a leader because leaders are humans. Leadership is an idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I think that that's something who is a leader. That's, that's what I think of. What, what do you all think? Yeah, I think it's, it's a beautiful way to connect it to what you were leading off with on the show here, right? It's like talking yeah. about how, purpose really is first and foremost, our purpose is us, right? And like realizing our max potential and there's like a through line, right? In terms of the story mm -hmm. that, you know, is our life story in terms of how we're able to realize more and more of that. But yeah, when you're in the, in the greater context of, the, of a team or an organization or a collective, right? Mm. It's really connecting that to the greater good and what it is that you're trying to impact as a collective. Yeah. But I love that strategy, right? Because that is the, the, to me, that is the best kind of leadership is some, somebody who actually takes the time to lean in and help those individuals connect that dot, that those dots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because without that, right? It's like, so say you want to develop as a leader, so that what, you know, yeah. for what, right? Yeah. And um, you can't expect people to be motivated if you don't give them something worth their energy. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't Amen. expect someone to be committed if you don't give something, them something worth committing to. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I think leaders try to get commitment, motivation, engagement, all those lagging indicators. Mm -hmm. um, but what they forget is that it's very easy for nothing to matter to someone who doesn't believe that they matter. Mm -hmm. So cultivating that leading indicator, I think as you're talking about that <laughs> meaningfulness is, is mm -hmm. so crucial. Yeah. Well, that's what we talk about on this show, right, Rob? It's not meaningful enough for us to just be a cog in the wheel, to just be like punching the time card and giving yeah. our time in exchange for the money. It's not meaningful. We're uh, meaningful enough for human beings, right? There mm -hmm. needs to be a, a, a deeper sense of intrinsic, you know, why that's behind that. And so I think it is. It's like very powerful when you can connect that to how that impacts the greater good. I love yeah. that you said that. That just <laughs> that's that's how I think of leadership too. It's like it's it's so much more than just like the ROI and the bottom line and getting the job done. It's like all that management stuff. I know. Yeah. People always ask me, what's what what what's the ROI of doing all this? I'm like, it, it, if you need a ROI to be a good human, then you probably shouldn't be in a leadership position. Woo! Drop <laughs> the mic or, or tip it over. Because, <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, I, that's my perspective. Like some people say I to me, Zach, like, what if I don't have time for... 
yeah. to create moments of mattering. And I'm, I'm like, if you don't have time to create moments of mattering, you probably don't have time to be a leader. Well, it's, it's, it's reflective of the fact that your perspective is a little bit too limited, right? Yeah. To have that yeah. much responsibility over the lives of the people that are following yeah. you. And yeah. I say that, but then, I'm, but then I have a lot of empathy for leaders whose worth, right, is measured by their quarterly earnings report. And mm-hmm. every day they get up mm-hmm. and for 10 years and they're thinking about the first document they open is a P&L sheet, you know, mm-hmm. every day. And what, yeah. what would that do to me? Right. Yeah, exactly. and, and so I have a lot of empathy. Yeah. And I think one of the key things in working with leaders, especially who have that mindset is being able to empathize that look, like I get it mm-hmm. that you're, I mean, you, that, that is how your worth has been tied to not, not by your own fault, but what do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Yeah, exactly. Cause <laughs> that's, that's how you, that's leadership. It's such an incredibly hard conversation to have, right? Because I even had this quote the other day. I was talking to a friend of mine who used to work in finance, and now he works as basically a social worker at an eating disorder clinic. Mm. And he said to me, he's like, the people who run some of the biggest hedge funds in the world, the reason they got there is the joke is is they didn't want to go to therapy, so they started making tons and tons and tons of money. And it's like this... Like your story and my story could have played out. I like, and probably Susan as well. Like we could have played out in this way had a few turns gone differently. Like I know I could have ended up in hedge funds or, or in finance and I could have gone down the rabbit hole that way. And I think it's Mm. like what you're saying about empathy is, is totally true. And even the other side of it, like I had a question come in at work the other day and someone was saying to me is like, Rob, like, how do we prove that, like, thinking about the life cycle of assets and, like, thinking about 10 and 20 years from now matters? Because they've always used this data-centric yeah. approach. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I said to them, I was like, well, the data doesn't matter. How you present the data doesn't matter. It's all these other things that eventually someone's got to go to the CEO and say, you got to invest more than you wanted to. And mm. the stock price is going to fall because of this. And he's got to feel like that's a good decision instead of what's probably going to happen is he'll feel like he's getting crucified by the media, by the investors, by all these other things. So Mm. it's just incredibly hard. It is hard. And it's hard for people who are rewarded for short-term gain Mm -hmm. to think long-term. Exactly. Right. Every every leadership problem is a systems problem. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you, you can't, uh, you can't bet on a leader to do what's morally right in a system that incentivizes them not to. (laughs) I love that. You know what I mean? So like, well, really though, so it's not like, I don't ever, I'm not ever like, oh gosh, these leaders, they just need to be more human centered. I'm like, no, we need to create systems in which it's easier for people to do good. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. that. That's that Deming quote, right? Yeah, yeah. What is the quote? Like, it's we have it's, to create societies and where it's easier for people to do good, or something like that. It's basically like um, people do good things until the system like doesn't oh, allow them yeah. to, or something yeah. like that. But basically, yeah. it's the same idea. Yeah. Now, Zach, I want to ask you: Is like, is there? an ability to get every job to have a purpose or are there, cause I'm sure some people out there are like, I'm just some accountant. Like my job doesn't matter. Like, is, is there a way to, to find meaning in every role or is it just for the gifted few? I think in every role that doesn't do moral harm, I think there's purpose. And what I mean by that, if purpose, purpose is the reason for which something is done or created the reason for its existence no job was ever created by a hiring manager to pay somebody. So it was like, Hey, let me create this job to give somebody more of our money. Right. Every job on the planet, if it's a job and it doesn't do moral harm or physical harm to somebody, I think that it exists at some level to solve a human problem. Like, think about it. I, I, um, I work with a lot of people in manufacturing and I, I did a, my research study was on janitors and how they come to experience meaningfulness in in their work. Everybody I talked to in both of those environments, manufacturing workers and janitors, they worked for a paycheck. That's what they said. But that's the meaning of work. Okay, and that's important. The meaning of work for them was to work for a paycheck. 
the meaning in work is what they experience when they're there. So what typically happens is that a supervisor will say, oh, well, these people need a paycheck. That's why they're here. But it's not what they want to experience when they're there. We know that all people in all occupations, there's really no difference uh, in occupation or socioeconomic status want to experience meaningfulness and significance. And what, what I find in my research is that uh, meaningfulness and significance is accessible anytime anything that you're doing impacts another human being. And what we find experiencing meaningfulness is more contingent upon your mindset about a task than the task itself. I'll give you an example. My study on janitors, I asked two questions. I said, describe a moment in detail when you experience meaningfulness and describe a moment in your work when you experience meaninglessness. I asked this first question to this woman named Lisa. And I said, when's a moment where you experience meaningfulness? And she said, oh my gosh, it was this time where I was cleaning uh, a bathroom at the football stadium on our college campus and someone vomited all over the door. <sighs> right? But I was like, what the heck? I asked about meaningfulness. Ah, that's so funny. Right? Yeah. And she said, yeah, you know, and there was a line of people and I had to clean this up and there was a line of people waiting. It was around halftime. I took my cart. I took my mop bucket. I started walking along that line. And for the first time in my life, I got thanked by 50 people in a row. <laughs> and so she's like, I instantly saw all of the people as I walked by them yeah. that I was helping that day. Right. So she thought about the most meaningful part of her job was not about this miserable task. It was about the meaning of the task that others gave to her by thanking her, right? So this is the power of community is that we can show people the evidence of their significance, which is a key way to create a mindset that uncovers meaning where you are so that you have the skill to then uncover it wherever you want to go. And how would you approach the challenge of the people who work in roles where they don't get to interface with the people that they're impacting? You know, yeah. because that when I'm working on trying to help people get in alignment with their purpose is oftentimes the resistance itself, right? Yeah. Like that pops up as a roadblock. So a funny, a fun, funny, a fun experiment to do is think about something you don't like doing in your job. So think about that thing if you're listening and you feel like you're in one of those professions. And then I want you to ask yourself, what would happen to a human being, a real human being, if you did not do it and who would be impacted? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, by imagining your absence, you'll learn the power of your presence. Mm -hmm. And that is called job crafting, being able to craft our perspective, to being able to see how even what we're doing may not give us pleasure may not light us up, yeah. which I think is important down the line, but may not light us up, that if you're in a workplace where there's other human beings that are depending on you doing something, then purpose is there. Mm -hmm. It's just like people who think that their job is small. What I recommend them doing is thinking about each person that they're going to interact with that day and imagine them as an irreplaceable human being with a life as vivid and complex as your own. And that no matter what profession you're in, you have the opportunity to affect that circle that you're in that day. And I think purposeful people and purposeful leaders don't obsess about where they are or where they not, where they're not. They obsess about their effect on where they are right now. And that's in everybody's control. That's tough for people to hear who don't like their jobs. People yeah, hate totally. it when I say that, right? But totally. The problem is, is that if you don't learn to uncover meaning where you are, you won't be able to do it where you want to go. You'll just be looking for something else to give you meaning. Like it, you'll be looking for a paycheck or if I get to the weekend, then I'll be happy. If I get this next promotion, then I'll be happy. You run around. Yeah. You run around the if then ham hamster wheel enough, you get to the end. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think purposefulness comes into play. It fills that after that, then what? I love it because I'm, you know, a leadership coach and my area of expertise is mindset strategy architecture. Ooh, cool. So that's yes. really what this is all about, right? Mindset yes. just refers to our perspective. And so 
if we're so limited in our perspective, because it's just what's in front of us, right? Mm. And how that feels and how that feels. We don't have the resources internally because we haven't connected all those dots, right? We actually mm. haven't expanded the perception of how all that kind of connects the, the ripple effect of our, you know, the role that we play in our jobs and the things that we're responsible for. Yeah. And, and we just, we never, ever, ever get to experience those hmm. types of emotions, right? That, so yeah. And I love that you have that mindset background because that's what this is, right? It's like, it's like you get up every day and you look at your calendar and you say, what do I have to do today? Every morning. Mm-hmm. Like how demotivating is that voice in your head? Yeah, right. Yeah. Think about it. Like, yeah. And then we expect ourselves to be motivated when we're like, what do I have to do today? Oh, I have a meeting at two. How am I going to get through that? Can't wait to get yeah. through that. Yeah. Like, I mean, so instead of like getting up and saying, how, what do I have to do today? Try saying, how is what I'm going to do today going to impact another person? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's shifting. Why, why does that matter? Yeah, shifting those internal narratives. Yeah. Absolutely. can create an upward spiral instead of a downward spiral into this, like, I don't matter. Nothing matters. I'm never going to find a job I love. Uh, here I go again. Here's the grind. Yeah. Um, yeah. That perception becomes a reality, right? It is and, reality, right? Your thoughts yeah. are reality. Exactly. And if you perceive, right, that you're running on a deficit in terms of meaningfulness, then obviously that's what sends you into your day on the hamster yeah. wheel, right? Trying to fill that void with all the external things that we're talking about. <laughs> that- yeah, we need to talk more because I'm really working on this idea of what is a, a purposeful mindset. Yeah. Yeah. What is a purposeful mindset to you? Let's start there and let's riff because I love this. Area. So I think there, I think there's a results mindset and there's a purposeful mindset. Totally. So a results yeah. mindset is the person who messages me on LinkedIn and says, I'm a results driven professional. Yeah. 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 And yeah, then I totally. respond with like results of what? Yeah. And I think about my kindergartner who's learning that you can't have an effect without a cause. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you trying to pursue a result? Yeah. Get a result by pursuing a result. doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. I think that purposeful people, purposeful leaders are cause obsessed. Yeah. And they trust that the effect will follow. Exactly. They're obsessed with the contribution. They trust that the results will follow. Yeah. So when I think of a purposeful mindset, I think of someone who thinks about instead of, you know, what do I have to do today? What kind of impact do I want to make today? How much money do I want to make? How much of an impact can I make? Yeah. Um, what, do, what should I do with my life? What should my life do for others? Mm-hmm. Right. It's a complete widening of attention and perspective versus a narrowing. Exactly. What should I do with my life? Mm-hmm. What should my life do for others? Possibilities expand. That's how I see it right now. Yeah, I think that's everything. I mean, my 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 catchphrase or tagline is like, you know, showing up every day and playing your biggest, you know, impact game. That's what leadership is all about to me, like right? That. And the why factor is the drive, right? In terms yep. of the purpose behind that for you as an individual, as a human being. And oftentimes that intrinsic sense of meaning is the contribution that you're going to make. That's what the ripple effect Mm, is all about. mm -hmm. The the contribution that you're going to make in all those lives that are touched by that ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a game changer, right? That's why I think it it is when you believe it. Yeah. I mean, you have have to be in alignment. Otherwise you're just kind of going through the motions and that just doesn't land. (laughs) Right. I'm curious uh, in in all of this, uh, in all my sessions, you know, in the last year since going through this world pandemic, this word purpose has obviously been something now that is coming to the forefront, right? And people are actually open to talking about more so. And I think it really is, is some of the silver lining that I'm seeing in all this disruption is people are really stepping back and, and asking themselves these questions, right? In terms mm. of like what, do I, do I like what I'm doing, how I'm showing up in the world? And is that really fulfilling me or, yeah. you know, um, I'm curious what you're seeing in all of this disruption though. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of people like joked about the apocalypse happening yeah. <laughs> over the last year, but right. apocalypse in Greek means to reveal. Yep. And I think that what this whole worldwide calamity has done is it's revealed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Einstein once said that adversity introduces us to ourselves. I love that. And I think some people are being introduced to themselves for the first time. I totally agree. And I think some organizations are being introduced to themselves 
at, for the first time. Totally. You know, what's interesting is people like, Zach, how's your work doing during this? And I was like, well, honestly, it was terrible for, like, <laughs> for six months because I did in-person engagements, right? So I lost yeah, 50% yeah, yeah. of my revenue on, in two hours on a Friday afternoon. Right. But <laughs> it's really started to pick up. Be- and all of a sudden, people who, clients who I haven't talked to in a long time are calling me and being like, we realized we needed that yes. <laughs> because it's, you know, all of these things I think are revealing a lot for people. I think it's also revealing to people about what actually cultivates resilience. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not the things they thought, like having all the money in the world, having the job, all of that stuff doesn't mm-hmm. really matter when you're stuck at home with three kids and mm-hmm. uh, you have that job insecurity, you know, because oftentimes you learn. Like for me, I think I learned that subtly I had attached my identity to what I did or what I got for what I did. Mm -hmm. Because when I got all those cancellations, I panicked. Mm -hmm. Like all my engagements were canceled. It's like, what am I going to do? Oh no. You know, and I panicked. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that really helped me was I started thinking, gosh, what are you doing? (laughs) You study purpose and meaningfulness. Right. And so I started thinking instead of like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? I started thinking about this question, who needs me to get through this? Mm. Right. And that was a really powerful shift for me. And that's what I've been finding with organizations and people is that people are understanding that your flow charts, your projections, your targets. Yeah. That's not what people are going to remember you by during this time. They're going to remember you for your empathy, your compassion, who you're being, Mm -hmm. who you're serving. Mm -hmm. And the clients that have really weathered this well and people that I've talked to have really focused on that. Like who needs me? Who needs Mm -hmm. me to thrive right now? So that's yeah, what that's, I've learned. That's huge, right? That's why I'm I'm celebrating this disruption, not because I'm a ma- masochist. Okay, don't hear me, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hear me incorrectly or misunderstand me when I say that. But I do think this is doing a wonderful job of just yeah. forcing all those cracks in our foundations to the surface, where we actually can confront them, right? right? Because that's my core belief: is adversity is just opportunity for growth, dressed up in disguise as adversity. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely am. Um, I'm just so excited about that silver lining, right? Because that's the thing I spend pre-pandemic. My, my, my day job is spent trying to compel people to think about deeper meaning and the why behind the drive mm. and what it is that they do and how they show up in the world. So yeah. I'm really excited that you're starting to see your clients are coming to the table and starting to recognize there was a method to the madness, <laughs> right? right. The, the whole inspire. goal of this is to yeah. create a culture, right? And create a mindset and a system of resources that's ready mm-hmm. for the next struggle. Because mm-hmm. there's going to be another one. That's for sure. And, you know, that's where the people are like, just want the pain to go away. Yeah. The people who are like, I just can't wait for this to be over. And yeah. they don't take the time to reflect yeah. on what this has revealed. Exactly. I think they're going to be in the same place again when something, yeah. when something else happens. Yeah. You know, I think when you look at every living organism that thrives, everything, everything alive that thrives, mm-hmm. it does not thrive despite its challenges, it thrives pr- precisely because of them. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is, that is the key lesson mm-hmm. is that we don't thrive because everything's going well. We thrive mm-hmm. because of who we become when it's not. That's right. Yeah. The challenge, right? The pressure on the system it can make the system stronger. Exactly. We know That's this the in the context of training our system. muscles. Yes. <laughs> But we don't understand. Yes, it, exactly. Right. In terms yeah, of our mental muscles. image. Yeah, I think it. I think it's amazing because I totally concur mm. that the leaders who are thriving despite the pressure on the system and this magnitude of disruption are the ones that are still on their purpose-driven mission. The ones who are still fully engaged in that meaning, that sense of why, in terms yes. of how they're showing up in the world. And if anything, this is like kicking them into a whole other gear because they know this is when it matters most, right? To compel their people Mm. to stay engaged with the purpose, right? And behind the mission. Yes. And Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning and just read his recent uh, book, Yes to Life. And he was a concentration camp prisoner and a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. He said, had this formula and it says, despair equals suffering minus meaning. Yes. (laughs) 
it's exactly what it's all about right there is understanding even the the, the striving 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 level of existence right. right is like obviously what we just described seek you know seeking the external to try to fill the internal yeah <laughs> so the suffering is inevitable mm-hmm. the meaning part is what we can all control that's what we want everybody <laughs> to think about where's the locus of control in this storm where is it? Just enjoy the inevitable suffering. <laughs> well, it's, inev- it's inevitable if you're a living thing. I mean, we know that. Um, you know, scientifically, it's entropy, right? We're not going to get into that, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely inevitable. Yeah. And it's not about enjoying it. It's about that it it has meaning. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, if someone out there is, is listening and they want to sort of spread the purpose throughout their organization like where should they start as like leaders to to start doing that type of work yeah and so i think that where where i'd recommend not starting is coming up with a purpose statement uh and a branding campaign to show your social impact (laughs) and the reason why i say that a little bit facetiously is that purpose has become kind of like a buzzword and people are using it as a traditional old tactic. If you want to use purpose to get more out of your people, it's just the tactic. If you want to use purpose to make more money, it's just the tactic, right? Purpose is that contribution in and for itself, right? So people ask me, what's the purpose of business? And I say, it's purpose. Because if you didn't have, if you didn't create value, you wouldn't have a business. Right. Now you make profit so you can continue delivering that purpose. So it's profit because of purpose for more purpose, right? If there's any hiccup in those link, that cycle, I think that that needs some reevaluation. So it's start there and ask yourself, why do you want to do this? Why are you really, do you believe in this purpose, believe in this impact, believe in this vision? But then the second place to start is go right down to the front line. I mean, the, the front line and your stakeholders and ask them why they think their jobs exist, because that's your understanding of your purpose. One of the first things I do in an organization, if I go in, is I take their mission, vision, value statement, and I go right down to the front line, part-time workers. And I say, hey, I want you to read this and tell me how it makes you feel. And if they read it and they're like, this is a bunch of BS, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where you have to start. Because if you have a purpose, but people don't experience it, you actually do more harm than good. You create a lot of dissonance. So go right to the front line and ask some of those questions. Like what makes you, your work, what makes your work meaningful when you most feel like you matter here? What's happening? Um, what kind of impact do you think that we have? Uh, what effect do you think this company has on, on others? And I recommend doing a generative approach from the bottom up to give yourself the data of what your actual purpose is. And that's going to be more powerful in the long run and you engage people along the way. Now, say you have a purpose already. So you may be listening and be like, okay, we've done that. We get it. We're like authentically in, you know, B Corp, every certification I have, I'm, I'm into purpose. What I would say is that you have to make sure people know exactly how their tasks meet tangible objectives, which meet higher order measurable objectives, which will ultimately help them deliver the purpose. I call that technique laddering. It's making sure you're laddering people's everyday work to tangible measurable objectives that show them how they deliver the purpose. And then you're rewarding and evaluating people on purposeful behaviors. You're, you're a manufacturer, you're a manufacturing guy, Zach, I can tell just, just with that statement alone. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think that what, maybe it's because I work with a lot of frontline workers around purpose and meaningfulness. And I think we can learn a lot from, if it's not tangible, it is, it can be, it can be actually destructive. Like when you have an aspirational purpose statement, but then someone can't visibly see exactly mm-hmm. how what they're doing every day matters ladders to that, then it, you, you very quickly get into, you know, we had greenwashing and now you get into like why washing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's connecting the through line, like you said, the right? Line. Yeah. 
It's right back to where we started is connecting those dots. And I think that is, it's like so important that everybody really understands how the role that they play impacts that collective sense of purpose and why. Yeah. That's yeah. everything in terms of engagement and motivation, right? Yeah, and then think about your processes, right? Like recruitment, hiring, onboarding, training. I mean, before you tell someone what to do or how to do it, are you showing them very vividly why it matters? Mm-hmm. Um, when, you're, when you write a job description, do you write a list of things people have to do? Or mm-hmm. do you write the human problem that the job exists to solve, the bigger product it makes possible and then the strengths we need to do that meaningful work right that's the strategy right there well no when you delegate a task do you just say yeah. oh you know someone's got to do this we just got to get this done by friday yeah. i mean have you ever wanted to do something that someone told you you had to do by a certain time no no are you Not explaining the, yeah are you explaining the significance of the task before yeah. you give the task right those are the things Mm-hmm. that make purpose come alive. It's, it's behavioral and it should permeate everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're inspiring. You're inspiring people when you actually are able to expand that perception of how yeah. much their contribution matters. Right. It's very uplifting. And that's how you, and that's the benefit, right? The benefit is it creates mattering for people. Yeah, absolutely. That they One can't my- not tie their task to something bigger. Yeah. I was going to say one of my favorite exercises to do in the chair when I'm trying to help somebody connect with their sense of meaning and purpose is like the rocking chair assignment, right, Rob? We did this. It's like when you're sitting oh, in the rocking when you're sitting in the rocking chair, you know, 80, 90 years old, like looking back over your life, how are you going to know like, yeah, I made it count? Mm. How are you going to be able to really say yes, right? When you ask yourself, did I really make it count? At the end yeah. of your life, because it is, it's like a wonderful way to connect people with what really truly matters. With the yeah, time and it helps it. people think long-term. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Another one is uh, if you really want to get people to think yeah. long-term, Rob, is get them to imagine a young person, a child in their life. It doesn't have to be their child, but somebody they really care about. Yeah. And imagine that person um, on their 90th birthday party, that little kid on their 90th birthday party. Oh, wow. And they, they're going up to give a toast, you know, someone's giving a toast to them and on the mantle is a picture of you and someone asks, who was that? You know, yeah. what did Ooh. they do? <laughs> oh, that just raised the bar even more. But I know, <laughs> and those types of little nudges, right, are really, really powerful. I love the rock yeah. thing. I wrote that down. I love it. It gets you right into your heart, right? Which is yeah. where all these resources are, are hiding out and waiting to be unlocked. Yeah. So speaking of a <laughs> legacy, right? Because that's what we just were really riffing on there. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be with all this work that you're doing in and around purpose and, and meaning? Yeah, I hope I want to create infrastructure for communities and organizations in which all human beings have the opportunity to experience mattering. I think that one of the we're in the attention economy, right? I think that some of our our greatest ills as a society is that people, A, are yearning for significance and they're competing for significance because they're not experiencing it in their workplaces, in their families, in their schools. I mean, you think about schools, 66,000 people were surveyed ages sixth grade through 12th grade. They asked that sample. They said, how many of you all think your teacher would notice if you were absent? And over half of that sample of 66,000 kids in North America said that they don't think their teacher would notice if they were gone. Oh, my gosh. So I think that mattering and making sure people experience significant is, is a public health need, a political priority, um, an organizational priority. And so my legacy would be to leave tangible tools behind to where people can do it and create those moments where they are and take responsibility for that. That's amazing. (laughs) So inspiring. I mean, that's really why we started this podcast during the world pandemic, right? Is like, we're really trying to capitalize on all this disruption in that way where we challenge people to really step back and, and think about like what truly matters, especially our leaders, you know, 
But I mean, we're all leaders when we think about it, because like whether we're leading our kids in the home through the homeschooling or it's yep. like we're in the community, like, you know, coaching their soccer teams or volunteering at church. Like mm. we all have a, a chance. This is what I see in all of this. And Rob, you know, I know you agree. Um, we have a chance, you know, to change the way the game's being played, really, if we can just lean into this conversation today. Right. In and around making sure that we really take time to think about how we're showing up and what what is meaningful about that to us and how that contributes to all the lives that we touch as leaders in our communities. What do you all think? What do you want the legacy to be of this podcast of, of you all? Yeah, I think that's it. Like, honestly, I think that's mm. it for, for me. The legacy is is really inspiring this whole 2.0 style of leadership, mm. which is all about this. It's like heart-centric, people-centric leadership, which really is making sure that that's the starting point, <laughs> right? It's like mm. your, your people and making sure your people know how much they matter, but also just really empowering them to play their biggest impact game, whether it's for the clients that you're serving or it's like the communities that use the products that you're offering or whatever it is. So it's the ripple effect. Yeah. You know, how about yeah. you, Rob? Yeah, for me, I mean, a lot of what we talked about today, Zach, is, is the antithesis of, basically, quote-unquote, scientific management 101, right? Which is, mm. you're a cog in an assembly line. You, you know, screw this one bolt in, and this is what you do 12 hours yeah. a day. And I think exactly what you're saying, right, is like you're creating, instead of giving people a list of tasks, you're giving them a why and letting them sort of derive that meaning in the tasks themselves. And for me, it's like... The legacy for this for me is about people experiencing happiness at work. And like you said, mattering. And it's exactly like to me, it's yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah. Right. And it's it's not happening right now. And like for me, when you said like, would your would your teacher notice if you're gone? Basically every organization that I worked for, I believe that if I left on the Friday like basically they would have another person in the chair, you know, obviously it wouldn't be Monday, but it'd be a few weeks later and it wouldn't like nothing would really change. And I think for me, that's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff around there, but it's huge for people to feel that they were, that they're mattering and that the, some of the specific things that they bring to the table would make it just better, like their job better versus like, Hey, well, you know, you're out the door and somebody else is in the chair next week. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine that that's where people are spending the third of their life mm -hmm. that they're not asleep for. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that, and, and those people go home and their friends and their families and they vote and they buy things. And so that's why I really, you know, some, someone asked me like, Zach, what do you think about, you know, social impact stuff for companies? And I'm like, I think it's all great, but I think the ultimate good that a company can do for society is to create a place where people leave their families to come to that is dignifying, meaningful and mm -hmm. creates mattering. I mean, I think that's the ultimate societal role mm -hmm. of an organization. <laughs> Clip that and replay that one. <laughs> well, I mean, really though, I mean, yeah. I, I just got asked to teach in an MBA program. That should be fun because, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, I think that we got to flip the whole MBA program around and say the number one responsibility that you will have is for the environment in which human beings spend one third of their waking life. Oh, okay. That's... Now let's get, yes. now look, the rest of the curriculum is just in service of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, the ripple effect that you so, just described. Yeah. So, so Zach, for anyone out there who wants to connect with you and follow the stuff that you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah. You know, I've, I, I'm, uh, I'm into LinkedIn right now. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun on LinkedIn because, you know, you can kind of stir up some of these conversations. Like if you look at some of the comments on my post, you'll see the consciousness that's out there around some of this stuff. So I'm at Zach Mercurio there, but then, you know, I, I write a semi-monthly newsletter. I've taken a little bit of time off um, recently, but you can go to zachmercurio.com, sign up for the spark where I muse about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> meaning and mattering and purpose and things like that. Um, 
And I'm, I always welcome like good dialogue. Like, you know, if, if people have other opinions on this, I, I think that that's important to have that dialogue and to talk about that because I am not by any means saying that a organization making money or an individual pursuing achievements is bad. Like that, it's not either or, right? It's that what we can do is, I think, make sure that our identity is more tied up in why we're doing it than in what we're doing and what we get for it. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that. We, I we, absolutely love that. That's right. We couldn't have said it any better. And and yeah, for us, everyone who's listening, I mean, obviously subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we are putting on a 12-week Leadership Launchpad Project program so you can learn some of the stuff that we talked about today on how to connect to your values, what meaning, what impact you want to have in the world. We're going to teach you those skills. So if you want to learn more about that, go to elitehighperformance.com slash leadership. Go to the bottom of the page. You can hit the button and it will take you to the program details. Now, Susan, is there anything you want to leave us with today? Uh, yeah, it's all about that ripple effect for me. I feel so stirred up and so inspired from this one conversation, but I guarantee this is going to reverberate not only throughout the rest of my day, but throughout the rest of my week, the rest of my month. That really is why we started this podcast, right, Rob? It's like all about spreading the ripple effect of these inspiring ideas. So please, if you have anybody out there who's just a little out of alignment with their sense of why and, and how them showing up and playing their biggest impact game in their leadership, you know, um, please share, please spread the, this ripple effect with us, help us get this message out there so that we can really help to change the way the game of life and business is being played forever. <laughs> I love that. And I'll just leave, I'll be really brief and I'll just leave everyone with this. You matter. Mm. And that's enough. Zach, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Susan. Thank you, Zach. It's great having you. I, I hope to have you back sometimes because I, I, like, be I feel like we, we have a whole other chapter just waiting to be uncorked here with you. Yes, I agree. Absolutely, me too. And everyone listening, thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>